Welcome to the KHOW Podcast. You've joined a community who focuses on doing the word, living the word, and following the word. We hope you enjoy these messages. My wife says this all the time. You have to be careful for something that's public and then something that's private. God can be giving you a word for you. But because the word is so powerful and so great to you, you want to spew it out to everybody and you won't move nobody. Only because that word was meant for you. So tonight, we're going to get into the word. We're going to have a good time in the word because that's what the word does. The word comes to correct, convict, convert. So let's go to the first book of Corinthians, chapter number four. For those of us who are who have been on, and I'm, I'm really, really grateful. I can't put into words how grateful I am for my wife and all of the work she has been doing and continues to do to help us, because it's not easy. For those of us who know, it's not easy to hear from heaven and making sure that that word is something you're living out first before you can even open up your mouth, because the Bible says you're not equipped if your house is in disarray, if you're, how, how dare you tell me to get my house together and your house is in shambles? So let's get into the book of Corinthians chapter number four. We're going to read two verses of scripture starting at verse 11, and we're going to go down to verse 13, and it reads, everyone there? First Corinthians chapter four, verse 11 says, and I'm reading out the NIV version, it says, to this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. So I wanted to just tap into, as we are in this space and, and time of talking of endurance, right here, when you listen to Paul, Paul is clearly trying to send a message to the church at Corinth. And what was happening during this time is that the church's current started to really feel themselves. This was leadership that, that, that really considered themselves the elite. And it was almost as, as, as you're hearing Paul, he sounds like he's being sarcastic because he's, he's almost telling them, yeah, I know you guys are doing this and we're really not that big and you guys do all this great stuff and we're only doing this. It wasn't that he was trying to uh, 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 send them shame by any means. What he was really doing with, was he wanted to deal with their pride. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the applause of men and the applause of people, what was happening is he was trying to get the, the church at current to understand that there is a way that may seem right to you, but it's always going to lead you to a place of destruction. He was trying to get them to clearly know that there is a way you have to share this word. If you're not being persecuted, if people aren't looking at you in a certain way, if you're not being ostracized, you may want to check what you're doing. Because it got to the point with the Corinthian church where they were sitting back and they were staying in their, their safe bubbles. And they were just waiting, waiting for people who wanted to receive of them. 
So they were putting themselves in the status so that when Paul showed up, he's like, yeah, I know you're doing all of this and you're doing all of that. But we also know that scripture teaches us in Matthew 7, 15, that you'll know them by their fruit. It's like going somewhere. Everybody's been talking about all these great things that are happening. Then you show up and you don't see what you're supposed to see. And what's happening now that we find ourselves in many places hoping hoping to see a glimpse of what it is that we were told they're preaching or we were told what was going on. The nature of who we are is that we have to be uh, uh, finding ourselves becoming relevant in the world that is clearly not wanting the truth of God's word. So what's happening is we're making adjustments as pastors, as leaders, as Christians, we're making adjustments because we want to be relevant to an irrelevant world. Because the fact is their system is their system. It's not going to change. We're making all of these adjustments and, and Paul is trying to get the Corinthian church to understand that no, no, your pride is going to lead you into a bad space and place. So the Corinthian church, they're viewing themselves as the elite amongst the people. This is where we have to be careful. We are exalting too many leaders past their position to serve. So when you think about the word pastor, shepherd, it gets even deeper, it gets rooted into the word pastor, a servant, all of these things that God calls us, when we start to elevate people of leadership in the assembly of what we call Christianity, what we're actually doing, if not careful, we're taking them out of what they're supposed to be doing. And what they're supposed to be doing is service. Service as a, as, as, as a shepherd, he leads the sheep out to the pasture to graze, to grow. But here's the thing, and a great man that God taught me this. He says the, the pastor, that root word pasture, allows us to understand as leaders what we need to do. So when we're leading people into the pasture, it's not just for eating. Because while people are eating, some of them are going to get sick. Some of them are not going to be able to uh, 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 hold some of the stuff that they're eating. So some are going to get sick. Some are going to get defecated. Some are going to uh, use the bathroom. As a pastor, you're not there for all the good and, and, and crunchy stuff. You're, here to, you're there to make sure that the sheep are going through what they need to go through. But when it comes to the cleanup, sheep is not mm, like most animals. They're not using the bathroom and coming back to clean up about it. No. If just like, you know, you have to curb your dog. You know, there, there's a way that when you're leading people to something of this magnitude, something that's so heavy and so true, you got to understand it's not always cookies and cream. It's not always a feel-good message. You have to understand what it is. And this is why, even as we're working with endurance, if I was to talk to someone, I know I use David Shaw a lot, someone who is a trainer, when you go to that person, you want to build endurance, what that person is doing first is he is analyzing who you are. Why? Because endurance is different depending upon the person. So if I'm not in great shape, my endurance can't be the same as someone who's been in this thing for a little while. He has to give me a different regimen. He has to say, hey, you got to walk this thing out before you run. 
You know, walk on the treadmill. Don't run on the treadmill. Make sure your eating habits change. You can't do all this and have six Twinkies afterwards. You know, there, there's a regimen that needs to be put in place so that you understand. It doesn't make you less than. It just makes you equipped for the moment. And this is why as pastors and leaders, and this is, we, we have to be ever so careful about the messages that come out of our mouths because you have to scan the audience. You have to know what's there. You have to know that there are certain sheep that's out there that can't be amongst other sheep only because sometimes you have to separate them not because again not to not to make one better than the next is to know them know them the bible says know them that labor among you take the time to build relationship with people before you start stuffing jesus down their throat some people just need to be heard for a minute some people need to allow you to understand why they're why they function the way they do so that when you're going to help and assist, you're helping properly. Making sure that you're not giving people, because here's the thing, overdose is real. Now what someone can take, maybe the next person can't. Little is much in the hands of God, absolutely. So don't look at what's going on with you as something that's minute and little, no. When God has you, he knows exactly what you need, the time in which you need it. The key is to make sure that you're taking what's given and you're applying it. Because if you don't, guess what? You may have to repeat that class. You may have to go back. Why? Because if you're not taking the information and utilizing it, and here's Paul trying to get them to understand, you guys are thinking you got it all together. Because people have elevated you out of your position. Your position is to serve. Your position is to go out there and preach the word of God. Yes, they're going to come after you. Yeah, they're going to persecute you. Yeah, they're going to do all these things to you. But you have to endure for the sake of this thing called the gospel. And this is what was, was aggravating, in a sense, Paul. Because he wanted them to know, no, 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 no. I get beat up for this. I get mistreated for this. I get slandered for this. But it's not me. For the power of Christ that's in me gives me the ability to endure all things. It's something about carrying what you know to be the truth. The way you carry it is different. Because when things come at you, it doesn't sway you when you know it's true. It doesn't sway you. I can sit and I've done it and I continue to do it to this day. It doesn't matter what's your religious background. It doesn't matter what part that you're in. Because let me tell you what you cannot do. You can't convince me out of mind. Because you should have been there. When he transformed and he changed my life, you should have been there. And because you weren't, then you can't tell my story. And sometimes we have to get like Galatia. We have to say, you know what? Tell me about your God. Tell me about the God that you serve. Tell me about what's going on in your life. Because I can demonstrate his power. I can, how many of us are doing that? How many of us are bold enough to sit with someone and really allow them to understand that the power of God is really real? That we can call heaven, we can move, we can make things happen. Paul was saying, I look foolish to the world. 
in some translation, he called himself a spectacle. I'm a spectacle. I'm, I, I, I'm almost, you know, I'm putting on a, a, a theatrical performance for people. And if you think about it, Paul was trying to get them to understand that at the end of the day, when you think, think about that word, spectacle, and, and God just, and as simple as this is, you know, you need spectacles to get clear vision. He was calling himself a spectacle because he was saying, you know, everything I do, I have an entire microscope and everything else on me because people want to challenge my God. And Paul was positioning himself to be a spectacle. Because as long as you keep looking, you gonna find it. Bible says, seek and ye shall find. I know we, we always, we're always looking towards the one side of the word of God, but the word of God works all the way across the board. Utilize it, use it. I promise you, it works exactly how the Bible, how the Bible says it will work. Church today has become the greatest show on earth. It's the greatest show on earth. And here's the thing. Most of us, if we were to be honest, most of the times we go for the show. We're drawn to certain things because we're drawn by personality. We're drawn by relationships that we forget, truly forget about the one thing in which we were supposed to go. We're supposed to go to honor God, to worship him. He said, those that worship me must worship me in spirit and truth. So if you're going because there's an outing taking place or there's a performance that's happening or there's, we've been using the temple for all the wrong reasons. And what's happening is God is now starting to pull back the sheets and say, do you not see? Do you not see? Do you not see? To the point where if something is going on with the leadership, we don't even give grace. They'll fall off and we'll just forget and we'll wait for the next performance to happen. How do you think God is viewing us in this time? Are we the Corinthian church? Think about it. How do we move in this age? With all that's been taking place, with God shutting down the world, how, how, how have we been displaying God? What have we been doing? sitting amongst those that have been locked away for some time now. Because if not careful, we can slowly become the Corinthian church. We've made it. I'm saved. I'm good. What God is doing with me, I'm just praying for this person. I'm praying for that person. But, but we're not going out. We're not seeking the lost. We're not spending time understanding what God has done for us, why he's done it for us. What are we supposed to do now? Or do we keep coming back to rehearse? Do we keep coming back to share? But when we look to our left and when we look to our right, who's come in the last few weeks? Who did we share the gospel with? Who did we put in almost intimate space if our intimate space is where God resides. Who got healed in your presence? Who fell out and cried, Abba Father? Who did you pray for? 
and really didn't move until God moved. This is what Paul was trying to get them to understand. If you're going to do the work, I came to see the work. And if I don't see the work, I can challenge the work. This is why when you read how he spoke, he spoke with such sarcasm because he knew all that they were going to say about themselves. So he almost like beat them to the punch. Yeah, I know you guys are doing this. And we're just doing this. And you guys are doing this. And we're just doing this. It's time for us to understand that you're not going to fit. You're not going to fit in the crowd. You got to work your way to the, through the crowd, but don't try to fit with the crowd. The crowd will get you in trouble. The crowd will get you to keep running to the greatest show on earth. They'll keep showing you performance after performance after performance. Because here's the reality. When you really think about how you're supposed to endure, how you're supposed to take on what God says we're supposed to take on. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be hated. We're, we're going to be talked about. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be those things. Thank God for fellowship. Thank God that you can get amongst a brother or sister who's like-minded and walk with them. It's still a great journey. Two people, a hundred people, it's still a great journey. If you believe. Now, here's the thing. It's more to it than just your belief system. Because I read in the book of James chapter two, verse 19, where it talked about, so you believe in one God. So what? The enemy believes too. The difference is they tremble. There's a reverence and the fear because they know more about the God they're against than the God you're for. Why? Because if the word of God doesn't shake you to get your life together. Because here's the thing. The enemy's on the outside until we invite him in. So when you keep blaming him for your issues, when you know it's the issues that you keep putting in front of you, because this is, these are choices that you have to be careful about. So the Bible tells us how is sin Sin is the fact that men are drawn away by their own lusts, by the things they want to do. And then they make room for other things to come in. So the reason why we want to get together, the reason why you want fellowship is so that you can be accountable so that you can get out of where you are and get into a space and place so that you don't have to turn into the Corinthian church. Accountability is a must. It's not a choice. Because if you're left to your own devices, there's no way you win. The Bible talks about that. Foolish is the person that falls. And there's nobody there to pick them up. When you have someone with you that you can share the word of God, share the things that you're going through, and they can help assist you to get on out then it will, it will allow you to understand the importance of getting up every day calling yourself a child of a living king. Getting up every day and saying, for him I live, I move, and I have my being. 
I'm not telling you to chase people around the world. I'm not saying that. But I am saying stay consistent so that even when they go astray, prodigal son, when you come to your senses, guess who didn't lose their position? The father. To the point where you'll say, I don't even want to go back as a son. I just want to go back, even if he treats me as a servant. It's better than where I am. We need to stop moving so much. I'm talking spiritually now. Because I know somebody saying, Alex, don't nobody move more than you and Pastor Kai. You're all over the place. The reality is this. Spiritually, you have to be found. He's the God that never changes. His address never changes. And the thing about that is that anytime you're trying to find him, you will find him. Why? Because the posture of the father has to stay consistent. The posture, who we are in God has to be consistent. Now, you know what consistency is in him because the word teaches us that. But if you're out of sync, if you're out of whack, don't just do this thing and don't do it without fear and trembling. He says to work out our own salvation with, along with, fear and trembling. Fear your God. Fear him. Reverence him. Because he's watching every detail of what we're doing. And he knows. He knows. Are we going to hit the mark every day? No. But at least attempt to hit that bullseye. Attempt to hit it. God is just that kind that he'll grab it and move it to make you think you hit it every time. He's just that kind. But when you know, you know, you're not even attempting to do it. You know, he's a gracious and loving God. And this is why this, this passage of scripture, please understand the whole chapter number four is amazing because he gets, he gets right to it. And then he talks about, I mean, with such grace, Paul spoke with such grace. I mean, he will, you know, it kind of reminds you a little bit of Pastor Kai. Pastor Kai will cut you until you start feeling the drip and you're like, am I bleeding? But it's the love of God that she's trying to get you to understand. We're trying to get others to understand that this is going to cut. But we're here. We're not going anywhere. We'll help clean that up. We'll help bandage you up. But please understand, let's stop giving this fluffy gospel so that when the people start to show up and they come and think about all those before Paul who came to the church of Corinth and had to wait in line to even see one of the leaders. I want y'all to meditate on that for just a minute. How many places do we go and you have to go through 13 layers of people to even see the leader? What have we done? Superstars aren't born, they're created. They're created. We create superstars. We create people of, of great uh, uh, stature. Why? Because as long as you keep putting them on the pedestal, nobody's gonna say no. You put me up there, I'm going. Then after that, you take care of me while I'm up there. And the only time you get to reach and see me, and you love it as long as you can reach me. But guess what? After you do that, somebody else is going to come and lift me up a little higher. Guess who I'm not dealing with anymore? Not on this level. You can't even find me here. So we start creating these monsters, and then we get mad when God comes and starts 
cleaning up the house. So here was another thing that the church of current did. They looked at people, and this is one of the things Paul talked about too. He says, you know what? We're, and the NIV called it scum of the earth. That's what the NIV called it. He said, we're the scum of the earth. The reason why Paul needed to get that message across is because they were so deep in pride that there were certain groups of people they wouldn't even look at. And when I did my research, I was digging deep and it was something about history. And I saw the same thing happen today. The key was, if you can create people to be worthless, it's easy to get rid of them. So during times of famine, during times of plagues, during times where the, uh, 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 things were being ratchet, rash, rationed, they would literally kill people because it was no guilt to kill worthless people. So if you think about what happens to us in ministry, if not careful, we can view a group of people as no need to minister to them. <laughs> no need to deal to talk, talk to them. Now I'm not saying, please understand, be equipped to where you go, but don't ever count anybody worthless because you can kill them with your approach. Just with your approach. Look how many people are turned off. Because even when you talk about the building, oh, those people over there? Mm -mm. Those people don't even come here. They will never sit and talk to us. Isn't that right, David Shaw? Where people in the community will sit there and look at us like they won't even walk there and we walk right to them. Talk to them, allow them to understand, <coughs> excuse me, allow them to understand that, hey, we're here on your invite, even when you didn't invite us. This community is yours first before it's ours. Can we work together? Can I be your neighbor? Can I be someone that can help assist you? Nobody is really refusing charity these days. Think about that. Nobody's gonna ignore real help. So we pass by, if not careful, what we're looking at is worthless. And then God says, you've been praying to me about some specifics that you bypass most days of your life. Think about that. When the Bible talks about how we pray amiss, it's crazy how they call it amiss. I'm just a simple guy. Literally, amiss. It's a myth. You missed it. It's, it's, it's simple at times, yet we try to make it so deep because I think we spend a lot of time in things that are a lot closer than we expect. But we're not paying real attention to what's happening in our surroundings. So if God be for us, then wherever we are, there's provision. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Provision. Those that look to me, he takes good pleasure in taking care of. Provision. 
everything about seeking a living God is instant provision. I know, he says, I know what you have need of. I also know what you want, but I'd rather supply your needs because the need is going to keep you alive. So I already know. And I do know we're all guilty of praying for the wants. But one of the things we have to be ever so mindful of when we consider something that's maybe outside of the box of what we're used to, outside of the things that we may look at as mm, not quite my cup of tea. I want us to take a moment to think about this. And I started to praise God only because I've been doing this now for 26 years. I am in awe most days that I'm a pastor. And most people who know me, you know, because we, we do a lot of ministry, state to state from, I'm in a position now like I've never been in my life. I'm ministering to people I've never in my wildest dreams thought I would minister to because I've never been around these type of people. I realized that all people are the same. They want peace. They want the love of God. They want to be happy. They want the joy. They want it all. It's just a different way they seek it because some have plenty as far as resources are concerned, but the resources do nothing for them. But if I was talking to someone who have no resources, then that would be their issue. So everyone has something different that ties them into the things they want to better their lives. Think about this. I thought about this as a pastor. Think about the life of Paul, the man who wrote half of the New Testament. He's responsible for 13 books. They say 13 and a half because they say he's responsible for most of the book of Acts. You got 27 books in the New Testament, right? Think about Paul. And I had to write this down. Paul was a killer. He was a riot starter. He was a church hopper like nobody because he, he just went from place to place all the time. He's an ex-con, and he was hardly ever supported by any other ministry, ever. Who will want Paul as their pastor? Think about that. This is why my response is always the same to people who ask me, are you a pastor? My response for those who know me, to some. I may not be your pastor, but I'm someone's pastor. If I pastor one, and you pastor 10,000, does that make me not a pastor? So when you think about your leadership, stop trying to place your leadership somewhere and be the leader. The problem is, is that someone gives us something and we're trying to find where do we put the title. I don't care. What, I want to see where the person is. I want to see the fruit of the minister of the prophet, of the evangelist, of the apostle, of the plain old Christian. How about that? The person who just calls themselves that. I want to see the fruit in that. And this is why Paul was so adamant to allow the church at Corinth to understand, man, get out of that space you're in because there, my God can't reside. So it's time to think about the posture in which we hold. 
the position in which we hold, the place in what we call home, so that people can bear witness to a true and living God. So how much are we going to endure in this season of our lives? How much? It's a question we ask ourselves. How much are we going to endure? Because guess what? There's a bunch of people that want to come to you and talk to you. Some for the right reasons and some for the wrong. Don't shun any of them away. Bring them all. Bring them all. If your God and my God is that real, do you not think he can deal with all of them? Or do we pick and choose the ones we want to minister to? It's easy to be here, easy to talk to person here, easy, oh no, not, not that one. I love it because I understand it's not for you. I keep telling people outreach is nothing but in reach. When you knocking on the door and telling, by, telling someone about the love of Christ, it's a reminder to you that you have it. It's a reminder to you that, that God has been so kind. So when it comes out of you, it comes out with such passion, with such love, because you just want them to have this amazing thing that you say you have, or is it not amazing to you? I'll end it on that note. Any questions, comments, or concerns? Thank you for joining us on another episode of the K-How Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email us at khowworshipla. That's K-H-O-W-O-R-S-H-I-P-L-A at gmail.com.